0: Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Sue Ann, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Jim, the Lynx kick off their season tonight. And, of course, uh, you know, they're coming off a season last year was kind of a rebuilding year. They're kind of in that mode yet this year, aren't they?
1: They are. And, uh, you know, they, they've been winnowing or losing their championship players. This will be the first season they play without any of their championship players. Now Sylvia Fowles has retired. And last, last year they got caught in between. They didn't want to put a bad team around Sylvia Falsner last year. They wanted to kind of respect her and have her go out well. So they bring, you know, they bring in Ariel Powers, Kayla McBride, Natalie Chunwa, hoping that that group's going to be able to, to play at a competitive level. And nothing went well. They had injuries. Uh, Clarendon was supposed to be their point guard. Injuries there ruined that plan. Fowles wasn't quite herself. So they ended up with the worst year they've had since 2010. And this is the first year they can kind of admit and fully Try to rebuild. They have this number two pick to build around, Diamond Miller. Um, they have uh, Nafisa Collier coming back. They still don't have a point guard or a center. Um, they are coming off a 14 and 22 season, and the only major upgrade they've made is Diamond Miller. Hmm. Uh, they are getting Collier back. So there's a bit of mystery. Is this a, you know, what's the, what's the ceiling for this team? Could it be above 500? Could it be 500? Could it be competitive, under 500, but promising. I mean, you know, we just don't know yet. In part, and a lot of it's going to be dependent on, you know, how how quickly does Diamond Miller adapt to the WNBA and how good is she going to be?
0: Uh, Cheryl Reeve has made uh, no secret of the fact that she loves Miller's work ethic, that she comes in and just gets after it uh, right away. And she said any shortcomings she'll be able to overcome because of that work ethic.
1: I, I believe that to be true. Uh, she is She's tall. She's really athletic. She's fast. She has great body control. She's unselfish. She passes well. She rebounds well. She defends. Competitive, great teammate. To me, the big question is, can she shoot? Uh, She had good shooting years in college. She had bad shooting years in college. Uh, She looks to me like she has good form. Um, If she shoots well, she could be a superstar and someone who really elevates the franchise. If she doesn't shoot well, then she's a nice player to have on your roster, but you're going to need somebody else to be your lead scorer.
0: And could that be Collier, who's back with the team this year?
1: Yes, and the, Collier is another interesting player in that she like, she does everything well. She can shoot the three, she can shoot the mid-range, she can score near the basket, but is she a number-one scorer? Your know, number-one scorers aren't just people who can shoot. Number-one scorers are people who can take the ball, break down defenses, get their shot off under duress, Score under pressure, mm-hmm. lead you in the fourth quarter. Collier and Miller both have the ability to be good offensive players, but are they number one scorers? We're probably going to find that out this year. Uh,
0: who else uh, might uh, populate the starting lineup for the Lynx tonight?
1: I think there's a bit of mystery. We haven't seen an official starting lineup okay. yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, the, and the interesting thing is, they have a lot of redundancy. They have, you know, McBride, Powers, Miller, Collier are all like two to fours, right? Mm-hmm. So do they play small and have all four of them in your starting lineup? Do they have powers, kind of play modern quasi-point guard? Uh, do Diamond Miller play qu- modern quasi-point guard? I mean, they'd rather have like a, a traditional point guard handling those things. Rachel Bannon would be a backup point guard. Um, and who's going to play center? You know, uh, So I'm not really sure how she's going to go
0: yet. Hmm. I'm glad to see Bannon on the roster again. It, it hasn't been easy for her to <laughs> win to win spots on on WNBA rosters. I mean, there's 12 WNBA teams, so you really are getting the cream of the crop. There's 30 NBA teams. So you know that, boy, the players that come into the WNBA, uh, it, it's tough to make a roster each year.
1: Well, look at the Lynx. They are trying to rebuild. They had four draft picks. They drafted four really good college players and really five, including the kid from France who hasn't come over yet. and. Really, maybe only one's going to contribute. It's just hard to get on a major league. It's hard to get on a WNBA roster. That's why they need to expand. I think they'll be expanding to Las Vegas. I'm sorry. I think they will be expanding to Toronto and the Bay Area uh, sometime in the future. Uh, They need to expand. They just have too many good players who aren't playing right now. Uh, And Banham, her niche is she can handle it and she can shoot it. So she can be kind of your backup uh, combo guard. She can come in and be an instant scorer. She probably, you know, isn't. Athletic enough, physical enough to be a starter against a good point guard. She get taken advantage of, but she's a really good player to bring off the bench.
0: Let's talk Twins. They start a series in Anaheim against the Angels tonight. They'll get a look at Otani, who is the unicorn, the one of one on Sunday. Uh, and, uh, you know, it should be a, a fun series. The Angels are a little better than they've been in the last couple of years. Still a 500 club, but they've been below that in recent seasons, I think.
1: It's barely been a horrible franchise with one or two great players for a long time now. Trout and Otani are exceptional, and they've gotten very little help. This year, it seems like they are getting more help. Now, you know, we are not even through the end of May, so it's easy. A lot of the things we see in baseball today will not exist a month or two or three from now, but uh, it feels like Trout and Otani have just enough help now that they're at least a competitive team.
0: Yeah, and it's so fun to watch Otani play, and he's such a unicorn. Do you see Otani's success as a hitter and pitcher at the same time? Do you think that'll start to happen more? Will will baseball be more agreeable to letting guys try this? Because they've pretty much been against it until Otani came along.
1: I don't... It's, I'd love to see it. I just don't know if it's going to work. I mean, just it's just, it's so hard. These players spend so much time preparing. They get put so many reps in, both off, you know, at their specialty. And to be able to, to pitch at a high level and then to be able to hit at a high level on your off days and play a position decently, man, I don't know. I, I, it's kind of, Maybe it'll happen once a generation. I'm just not sure I ever see it happening on a regular basis.
0: Yeah, he is so special. It's unbelievable. Uh, for the Twins, the contract says that uh, that uh, Pablo Lopez is the ace. The experience says it's Sonny Gray. But maybe the performance says it's Joe Ryan so far this year. He's got to be considered. If you were lining up the Twins' top three starters for a playoff series, what order would you have him in?
1: Uh, well... This is why I don't like hypotheticals, because we don't know. you know. But, but yeah, let's pretend that Major League Baseball lasted six weeks and we were lining up a series. Yes. I'd go Gray right now. Gray did not pitch well his last time out. His numbers still say he's the, been their best pitcher. Yeah. Uh, Ryan has pitched very well. He's also gotten massive run support, which is why his win-loss record looks so good. Uh, Pablo has been a mild disappointment since he signed the contract. Whether the contract got in his head, whether it's just the first inning jitters that get him, he needs to pitch better. Mm. And he's going up against Otani on Sunday, and this would be a great time for that to start.
0: PGA Championship is into day two. It's uh, it's kind of tough to talk about it because they're hardly started. You know, right in the middle of round two today, as Jim and I are talking here a little before one o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, but Scheffler is there. There's some guys that struggled though. I mean, it's clearly a very difficult golf course to play this weekend.
1: It's a brutal course. It's really playing brutal today. We're talking here about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Scheffler just teed off. Uh, you asked me yesterday where I take Scheffler and Rahm against the field. Yesterday, before the tournament started, I said no. Right now, I would take Scheffler against the field. Yeah. Um, I don't trust Chambeau. I don't trust many of the people in the top ten. Scheffler, let, let's put it this way. Scheffler is the best player in the world probably overall right now. He and Rahm are going to go back and forth a lot probably. Um, he, he hits it even straighter than Rom does. He's hitting it. He, did, he played first round zero bogeys, so he played a stress-free first round, uh, and he didn't have to sleep at the lead. D Chambeau had the lead, so stress-free day where he's absolutely in perfect position. He's hitting it dead straight, and he's fixed his putter. He might have won the Masters this year if he had putted well. He putted horrifically. Uh, I like him over the field at this moment.
0: DeChambeau no longer looks like uh, too much sausage stuffed in a casing uh, after he'd gone big there for a while. He's trimmed down a little, but he's still a big man. He hits it a long ways.
1: He does, uh, and fascinating, you know, he was, he was always a big, strong guy. Mm-hmm. He went nuts with the conditioning and the mass and the diet and the weightlifting and the speed training. He wins, breaks through, wins a major, and then his body starts rebelling against him. Then he goes to lip golf. Kind of takes the easy way out. And now here he is back and admitting that he likes the bright lights and playing against great players again. Uh, I have a hard time believing he's going to hold up for four rounds, but he's he's at least interesting to watch.
0: Yeah. I like the Michael Block story, the PGA Club Pro, who I think they said this is his fifth tournament. They talked with him live while he was walking down the 18th yesterday. He's a very unassuming guy. He's very uh, self-deprecating. That's a fun story. I hope he can hang in there all weekend.
1: I would love it. Uh, You know, usually, you know, we we have golf writers say, hey, write the great stories early. And what that means is usually there's a Deschambeau or a Club Pro or somebody Mm -hmm. you've never heard of near the top of the uh, leaderboard on on Thursday or Friday, and you better write them before they disappear. Uh, Not many of them hold on. It's great when they do. It's a great story, but man, it's just so hard. You know, I've talked to some great Minnesota players who, you know, never made it on the PGA Tour, couldn't Mm -hmm. make it. you couldn't make it as a pro, I said, God, you're a great player, why didn't you make it? And they say, because the margin is, you know, like, let's say you're two shot let's say you're two, within two or three shots of being as good as, like, Scotty Scheffler. Mm-hmm. Well, that means on any given day, you're going to hang with him. It also means that over four days, he's going to beat you by 12 shots. Yeah. And over uh, week after week, he's going to beat you like a drum, and you know, that, that's the margin, and you get these club players in here and, uh, you know, one-off players, and they might be able to compete for four days, or they might only be able to compete for three days, which means they will be completely off the leaderboard by Sunday.
0: Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5 Sports at Todd and Suhan, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.